Hey, listener, this is Josh Elledge, CEO of UpMyInfluence.com. We are actively seeking guests for our daily commercial-free entrepreneurial inspiration podcast. If you know someone who is doing six to eight figures in business, send them our way. Just go to UpMyInfluence.com slash guest. Let's get on with the show. All right. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to The Thoughtful Entrepreneur. I'm your host, Jen Amos. And today I have with me Shannon Lee. You can learn more about Shannon Lee um, and Win Without Pitching at their website, winwithoutpitching.com. Shannon, welcome to the show. Thanks, Jen. I'm happy to be here today. Yeah. Yeah. I know uh, I know. we had some mix-up um, a couple of weeks ago, but we made it. We're here. And that's what matters. <laughs> We did. And I'm ready. As I was telling Jen earlier, like it was my goof last time, but I'm ready to be here today. <laughs> hey, that happens. I think that's the life of a business owner slash entrepreneur is it happens is how, yeah. is how I say it. Uh, but I thought I'd ask uh, 2021 new year. Do you feel any different from 2020? I do. I absolutely do. I feel um, positive. I feel like I've learned a lot. I feel like I can handle whatever comes. And I feel like from a business perspective, uh, there's a lot of hope out there. So yeah, I do feel different. Good. I'm glad to hear that. And I imagine that um, in a way you were propelled to uh, be different uh, for your clients, I imagine, since uh, you are a sales training company. Uh, tell us a little bit about that. For people that are hearing about when without pitching for the first time, uh, what do you want them to know? Yeah, so we focus on sales training for creative professionals. And mm -hmm. what that really means is helping people feel more comfortable selling because selling can feel scary and sort of gross and uncomfortable and not natural specifically for creative professionals. Mm -hmm. And so we help them gain confidence. We help them learn how to talk about money with more confidence and give frameworks to just organize the sales process and do a better job of leading in the sale instead of being in that vendor position. Yeah. Well, tell me a little bit more about how you help these creatives uh, feel more comfortable. Why do they feel uncomfortable to begin with when it comes to selling? Yeah, I think a lot of it has to do with just the stigma around selling and mm -hmm. it can feel pushy and it can feel like you're trying to convince somebody to do something and that just doesn't feel good for somebody who is selling ideas and creativity and trying to help people solve problems in ways that get attention differently. And so I think, you know, the first thing that we really think about is you're not in the business of convincing anybody of anything when you're selling. That's not your job. Mm -hmm. Your job is to understand, can you help that person? And if you identify, yes, I can help that person, then there's a conversation that takes place to really uncover what that person's needs and wants are and how you can best help. And so we try to remove a lot of that baggage mm -hmm. and bring these frameworks that give, give people a guide to what needs to happen in each sales conversation. Yeah, I really like that. Uh, rather than focusing on selling first, it's more about, can you even help people? To begin with. And so can you give me maybe a case study, whether it's a recent client or maybe a favorite client where you help them unpack that from going from like, oh my gosh, I don't want to sell to, oh, this is how I help them. This is how I know I, how I can do it. Sure. Yeah. There, there are so many um, mm -hmm. great moments that, that I've had with clients. And I think one that comes to mind um, most recently is somebody who had a hard time just 
uh, being in the moment and calming herself down and letting that that prospect to be answer questions, right? She yeah. had a hard time actually um, listening and embracing silence. We were chatting about this earlier. Mm-hmm. Um, and so what we did is really kind of understand her motivators. Like what causes you to be nervous in the sale? What causes you to mm-hmm. behave badly in the sale? And for her, she has what's um, considered a high affiliation score. She has the need to be liked. She has mm-hmm. the need to make friends mm-hmm. during the sale. That's how she thinks it's going to be most effective. Mm-hmm. And so once we kind of identified what was going on for her and said, okay, let's name it. You have the need to make a friend in the sale. Let's just call it what it is and release it into the world and refocus you to remember that the friendship could be the reward after you Mm. win that client, but that's not going to be the most effective way into helping somebody. Mm -hmm. And so first and foremost, we try to get in touch with what motivates people to be nervous in the sale or bring bad habits to the sale. Mm -hmm. Uh, I really like that. Um, That reminds me very much of like my husband and his whole fear of sales really when we get to the root cause is he he wants to be liked. Um, I mean, at the time that we thought this was his Enneagram type, he thought he was a type nine, which for people are hearing that for the first time, that's sort of like a peacemaker, someone that just likes to be in harmony with everyone. And so, but for him to have these audacious goals and ideas and dreams to, to put upon people, he he's like, Oh, I don't want to, I don't want to rock the boat, you know? And, and so, you know, being able to unpack that and be like, Hey, like, you know, not everyone has to like you, you know, like you don't have to get along with everyone and kind of having that conversation, um, took, took us years, honestly, to get to that place. He was like, I'm just here to serve like whom I meant to serve. I'm not here to serve everyone, but it took, it took a long time to get there. And I think even now and then that still comes back of like, Oh, are they going to like this? What are they going to think? What if they call me out as a fraud? Um, but it goes back to that whole likability. And do you find Shannon that a lot of creatives feel that way? Like they want to be liked is, is, is that kind of the common thing you find? Or are there other themes that you tend to also find um, when you figure out these motivators? Yeah, it's it's one of the themes. Um, mm-hmm. And it goes deep, right? Because what you're talking about is deprogramming somebody, right. you know, mm-hmm. and really kind of digging deep into what's going on for them. The other motivators are uh, the need to win, right? Mm-hmm. Some people are really competitive and have the need to win, or they have the need to be in control. And so they become domineering and difficult to deal with. Mm. So there are all sorts of different motivators. I think in most cases, it's just lack of sales training also, honestly. Mm. And um, a little bit of that imposter syndrome that you mentioned, where they don't quite feel that they have the right to be at the table and command the fees that they should be commanding for the value that they create for the work. So it's, Mm -hmm. it's a bit of a combination of things. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I have here in my notes that a win without pitching has boot camps. Do you want to tell us about that? Yeah, sure. So we, uh, we tried this experiment actually last year, once the pandemic hit, uh, Mm -hmm. to just try some different online offerings. And these boot camps have been really successful. They are six week sprints Mm. and they're designed for people who like that pace, who like a little bit of coaching and pure feedback, but also a self-directed day-to-day workflow. So for example, you can come into pricing bootcamp and really learn how to reestablish pricing strategies for your firm. Mm. And in that six-week bootcamp, you have a module you work on, you come into an open coaching session with 19 other peers and your coach, you get feedback on the work you did, you get coaching from that coach, and then you're off again the next week repeating that process. And at the end, 
you come out of these boot camps with very actionable tools around either positioning your firm or changing pricing strategies for your firm. And it's great fun because those peer groups become quite close Mm -hmm. and stay together after these boot camps are done to help each other and support each other. I love that. That sounds like a ton of fun. You you mentioned that these boot camps uh, started during the pandemic. Did I hear that correctly? Yeah, it was something uh, that we decided to try to shift some of our offerings to all virtual. Mm-hmm. And that was one of the things I have to say that was awesome about the pandemic was our ability to um, just really get creative and really mm-hmm. innovate and do some things differently to help our clients. And it, it worked out beautifully. Oh, that's amazing. What was it pre-pandemic times uh, before, you know, before everything happened? What did what did the sales training used to look like? Yeah, we would do um, in-person workshops. We'd have these two-day in-person workshops that people could attend, or we would do on-site private training if a firm wanted to just have us all to themselves and we'd go in for a couple of days. And then we also did a lot of virtual work. Like we were pretty used to working in the virtual environment because we Mm -hmm. work globally. So, uh, you know, I work from my home office here and and do coaching that way. Mm -hmm. But some of those products that allowed people... um, to come into things and get a big dose of learning fast were the things that we needed to really figure out how to do virtually. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. Do you like it better or is it, are you sort of, um, I'm just curious, like, is it better now that the boot camps exist um, or do you sort of miss the in-person training? I like it better now. <laughs> I oh, <good>. really <laughs> honestly enjoy um not having to travel as much as I was traveling before. And it was fun, but it's when you don't have to do it and you have the ability to focus in on clients, you know, virtually and be home with your family to support them on a different level, you see kind of, you know, like the chaos that the travel can really bring to your day to day. Um, So I don't, it's not that I don't want to travel. I just don't want to travel as much. And I'm really happy that we've, as a company, figured out a way to deliver a lot of value without having to do it in person. You know, for me personally, I feel quite relieved that traveling has sort of like died down because I I think I always felt like I was missing out if I wasn't traveling. But now that I know that no one's traveling as much or you have to like go through great lengths just to travel. Yeah. It's like, I'm like, oh, cool. Like this is like, this is like my kind of environment. Like I love working virtually. I love like not leaving the house. I love just dressing up the waist up. Like I am, I am completely (laughs) okay with that. And yes, I agree with you. I definitely miss uh, doing stuff in person and everything. I, I, even now and then um, as things slowly start to open up here, I'll go to a coffee shop and have my mask on. I don't care. It helps me get out of the house, you know, but, um, I definitely, I personally feel more productive, um, being at home. And I think part of it is just like, I don't have to worry about having the FOMO syndrome of, you know, the fear of missing out because like no one else is traveling, no one else is doing big speaking engagements or going to conventions or or anything. So, so that's, you know, that's my honest, uh, uh, feeling about all of that. And I'm not really in a rush for things to open up to be quite honest. I I like where I'm at right now. I have to agree. And and we may or may not be wearing our pajama bottoms right now. Right, Jen? Like <laughs> you never you, know. nobody will know. <laughs> no, way, no one will ever know. Oh, yeah. I love it. I, I love it so much uh, to be quite honest. And uh, yeah, I mean, and even, even so, even despite being like, uh, maybe on occasion, like feeling a little stir crazy and stuff like that. Like for me, fortunately, I have a dog that forces me out, out of the house. So I have that yeah. much going for me. <laughs> yeah. You just got to get outside, get some fresh air once in a while. 
Yeah. Um, so Shannon, I am curious, uh, as the, tell me, uh, how did you come to be the director of coaching, uh, for when without pitching? Well, it, every time I get asked this question, I, it always amazes me to think about like the journey to get here because you never really in the end, it seems know where you're going to kind of land professionally, yeah. even though you might have big dreams. I wanted to be a horse trainer and then I wanted to be an ambassador to a foreign country wow. and I'm a sales training coach. Like, so what, <laughs> what the heck? Um, but I, I think what happened was coming out of university, I landed a job doing marketing and public relations and really enjoyed mm -hmm. that that world. And I worked for corporate clients like AT&T Wireless and Safeco Insurance. And I was hiring creative firms to help us with our marketing and advertising. Mm -hmm. And I loved having that access to the creative professional because their minds are just so different. And it's so cool to watch how they see problems and solve them. And and over the course of my corporate career, I learned like I'm not cut out for the big corporate job. I just wasn't good at politics and mm. maneuvering those days. And it happened to be that one of the design firms I had hired asked me to come on board and do their sales and marketing. And I was like, I, okay, I like I don't really know what that means, but I'm going to jump. Mm -hmm. And it was a small firm, and we had decided also to bring in Blair Ends not too long after I started. Blair is the founder of One Without Pitching. Mm -hmm. And he introduced me to a way of selling that really resonated. And I just really took to it. And so I was a salesperson for a design firm for a decade. Mm -hmm. And he and I stayed in close touch. And when he shifted the company to become a training company, he asked me to come on board as a coach. And it was a great time in my life because I was a little bit tired of selling day to day. Mm -hmm. And I was able to take all of that learning and then go help small business owners make it easier for themselves. And so it was just this kind of interesting journey that some luck along the way and, you know, finding my sweet spot with what I was good at. And it's turned into something that I just never want to stop doing. Yeah. I, I love that. How, um, how amazing, it's just amazing. Uh, the direction that life takes us. It's like, mm -hmm. we have these ideals and we put these intentions and goals and, but then life's like, I think you actually want this instead. Yeah. I think this is probably like, trust me, just trust me, you know, and here you are 10 plus years later, um, doing what you do in sales and now uh, being the director of coaching with when without pitching. Um, I'm just happy to hear that despite your original plans, not working out, you're happy with where you ended up so far. Yeah. You have to be open and you have to trust, just like you said, like, like take everything that life throws at you and just try it on. Yeah, exactly. Um, so another thing I want to mention here, uh, Shannon, um, is that you have, um, some principles of navigating a sale. Uh, we talked a little bit about this offline and I thought it was a, a little intriguing. Um, my favorite part of navigating a sale that you mentioned here uh, is how important it is to embrace silences during sales conversations. Um, this is very unnerving for me personally, because I'm a chatterbox or I just like to initiate conversation or ask questions to get people talking. Um, but the pause, like, tell us a little bit about that, embracing that silence in a sales conversation. Yes. Oh, it's so powerful and it is really scary. Totally. <laughs> I totally get it. But if you can muster the courage to just stay quiet a few seconds longer than you normally would. That <laughs> other person is eventually going to start talking and fill the <laughs> silence. So it's powerful because 
it does help. Like if you said, Jen, you're a chatterbox and you have a hard time, like stopping the talking, it helps you to control that and bring a calm and a focus to the conversations you're having. And it helps you to become this active listener where you're letting that other person share what's going on for them. So you can really decide if you can help or not in a sales conversation, for example. Mm -hmm. The other thing that happens if you embrace silence is you yourself then in the sale, stop giving concessions. So Mm -hmm. if you don't embrace silence and you keep talking, you often are giving in on things because you're trying to fill the void um, of the silence. So you're doing things like, oh, well, we could cut the price or sure, we could do three things more than you than than uh, what's in our original proposal. And we won't charge you more, right? Like you, Mm -hmm. you start to like, acquiesce when you shouldn't. Um, The other thing that happens is it puts you in this place of leadership in the sale Mm -hmm. and you become this discerning selective expert just as much as that client to be is sizing you up to see if there's a fit. Mm -hmm. So it helps you to bring some healthy power to the sale and create some healthy tension in the sale. And so to the degree that you can do things like ask a person a question and stop talking, and just mm-hmm. be silent and let them answer or float a budget. Well, to work with us, it, it on the high end might be 500,000. On the low end, it might be 50,000. Stop talking. You are then putting any kind of objections on the table for that client to be to deal with. And that's mm-hmm. another way experts behave. So there's all sorts of cool stuff that comes with embracing silence. That reminds me of someone I was speaking to, and he was a uh, professional speaker, and um, he would do these pauses, and um, it was endearing to be quite honest. I was like, "Oh, like, like, am I supposed to respond right now?" Or do you know? It's like it made you want to like lean in. I was like, "Wait, is there a glitch right now?" Or oh no, he's he's doing those pauses on purpose. And so there's this um, there's this uh, confidence, I think, or this uh, like you said, this sense of leadership. Like you want to uh, lean in more and be like, what are they going to say next, or what should I say? Like to you know to kind of fill that in. So I, I really like your explanation on that, and that's something that I'm definitely going to keep in mind. You know, for myself when I'm talking to people more, is just learning the pause. Yeah, it's a good thing, and I know maybe um, the viewers or listeners can't see it, but we even have these win without pitching, stop talking cards. So I'll mail you one. That'll help. Yeah. You just keep it in front of you and you remind yourself to stop talking. (laughs) I love it. Um, (laughs) Other than embracing the silence during sales conversations, Shannon, are there any other principles of navigating a sale that you'd like to share today? I know there's a couple, but any other um, that is your personal favorite? Yeah. And I I sort of alluded to this this idea of overcoming objections. Mm -hmm. Objections are there are friends if we can surface them early in a sales conversation, but they turn into our enemies if they show up late in the sale. Mm. And what I mean by that is it's your job early in the sale to try to overcome any potential objections. Price is one. Mm. Um, your expertise is one. Your time frame and capabilities to deliver, right? So you likely have a sense if, if you're selling your product or your service, what the common objections are that people have to hiring you put those on the table for that prospect to be, to deal with first Mm -hmm. and get them out of the way because then you're going to understand, is there a path to closing this opportunity? Does it make sense for us to work together? If you don't do that and you get to the closing meeting, for example, and somebody all of a sudden says, well, 
it, you're too expensive. Oh, mm-hmm. you've wasted everybody's time. Mm-hmm. And it really serves to frustrate people. You want to have a lot of transparency and integrity when you're selling. And so overcoming objections early is definitely one way to get that done. Yeah, definitely. Just co- covering it um, early on because we've definitely, when I think about um, the business I do with my husband outside of this, uh, sometimes one of the objections is um, not in- like including the the other decision maker, let's say in the family, too late. Like you're just talking to one spouse, but you forget that there's another spouse in the house that actually makes like that is the decision maker. So being able, like when we're talking to one of them, when it comes to the final like decision-making and then the the other spouse is hearing it for the first time, they're like, wait, what, what are you doing without me? Um, So one objective tip for everyone is uh, have all this, all the decision makers in the room. (laughs) Absolutely. Right. It's so critical. And that's like one of the harder things to navigate sometimes because you don't want to make somebody feel bad as if they don't have decision-making authority. So we use decision-maker as an internal term. You may say something like, well, tell me, tell me else, uh, tell me a little bit more about who else is going to help you make the decision, you know, to hire a firm like ours to try and get at like, who's all involved here. Yeah. Yeah, no, definitely. Um, we've had to learn that a number of times and we still are sometimes, but, uh, anyway, that's all we, that's all we got to do. Just fell forward. (laughs) Yep, exactly. Um, <laughs> uh, well, Shannon, I, I really enjoyed our conversation today. I want to make sure that I've covered all my bases, though, before I get to my final question. Is there anything else you want people to know about Win Without Pitching? I think a great place to visit is our website, winwithoutpitching.com. It's full of great thought leadership and hints and tips. And we even have a YouTube page. You can find it through the website. You can ask us a question and we'll come on and answer you via YouTube. So I would just go there and and that's a place to learn and, and dig into. Awesome. And considering how everyone is stuck at home and all about consuming uh, media or video nowadays, YouTube is the best place. <laughs> yeah, I think it's to look so like. fun. I am I'm yeah. on there now more than any other aspect stage of my life, I think. <laughs> because I'm at home. Uh, but yeah, again, you can learn so much there. So if you're going to learn, you might as well visit, visit, uh, win without pitching on their YouTube channel. Yep. Perfect. Yeah. So Shannon, as we wrap up here, uh, of course the show is for, or, uh, of course the show speaks to small business owners and entrepreneurs, any parting, uh, wisdom of, of advice you'd want to share to our listeners. Yeah, it it may sound simple, but I'll just say um, embrace being yourself when you're Mm. having sales conversations. Embrace all of that expertise and like superpower that you have to bring to bear and and just let it be a conversation. Don't don't go in trying to convince yourself something. Be yourself and have a conversation first to see if you can help. Mm -hmm. I like that. Embrace being yourself. That should be a (laughs) t-shirt. It should. (laughs) (laughs) It should be a t-shirt somewhere. Um, Awesome. Well, I love that. I think that's a great way to wrap up our conversation today. Shannon, thanks again for joining us here on The Thoughtful Entrepreneur. I really enjoyed our conversation. Thank you, Jen. I loved being here. It was great to have some time today. Yeah. And again, to our listeners, this is Shannon Lee, who is the Director of Coaching at Win Without Pitching. You can learn more about her and her company at winwithoutpitching.com. Thank you all so much for joining us. And we'll chat with you in the next episode. Tune in next time. Thanks for listening to The Thoughtful Entrepreneur Show. If you are a thoughtful business owner or professional who would like to be on this daily program, please visit upmyinfluence.com slash guest. Now, if you've got something out of this interview, would you share this episode on social media? Just do a quick screenshot with your phone and text it to a friend or post it on the socials. Now, if you do that, 
tag us with the hashtag UpMyInfluence. Each month, we scour Twitter, LinkedIn, Facebook, and Instagram. We pick one winner from each platform, and you get crowned king or queen of that social media. Now, what do you win? Well, we're going to promote you and your business to over 120,000 social media fans, totally free. Now, can you also hook us up? Now, in your podcast player right now, please give us a thumbs up or a rating and review. We promise to read it all and take action. We believe that every person has a message that can positively impact the world. Your feedback helps us fulfill that mission. And while you're at it, hit that subscribe button. You know why? Tomorrow, that's right, seven days a week, you are going to be inspired and motivated to succeed. 15 minutes a day. Now, my name's Josh Elledge. Let's connect on the socials. You'll find all the stuff we're doing at upmyinfluence.com. Now, thanks for listening, and thank you for being a part of the Thoughtful Entrepreneur Movement. Mm-hmm.